Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show presented by Sling. I'm joined now by Ari Wasserman. And Ari, Sling has joined us and we're doing these what to watch for segments on every Friday podcast. And, you know, with the games not starting yet, we'll pick a game once the season starts. But with the games not really started yet, we have to kind of pick an issue. And one was just dropped from the heavens on us today. And we I are experts thank- in this issue too. Nobody yes. is a bigger expert in this issue than me and you. Yes, I want to thank Kyle Tucker from the Athletic. He covers Kentucky for us. I want to thank him for asking John Calipari a question about a practice facility. We talk about a practice facility. Yes, it, it produced a spectacular answer one, but also an unbelievable response from Mark Stoops, the Kentucky football coach who. Ari and I think has the best college football job in America. So your what to watch for presented by Sling is the feud between Kentucky football coach Mark Stoops and Kentucky basketball coach John Calipari, which you probably will see play out on the SEC network over the next few days because the basketball team is in the Bahamas playing exhibition games on the SEC network. So it's going to get covered. It's going to get talked about. You'll be able to watch it there. But right now we're going to talk about it for a long time because. If you listen to us, you know how we feel about Mark Stoops and about that job. And I just, I love it. I, I, I think this is, this is great because you and I, Ari, have said that the reason we think the Kentucky job is the best one in America is primarily because most of the pressure is on John Calipari. You know, it, as long as Mark Stoops is outperforming Kentucky's history which is not particularly great in football. They're happy with him. And all the angst and, and agitation goes to John Calipari. But you get this, this quote from John Calipari and it riles up Mark Stoops and it's tremendous. So let's, let's hear the quote first. And, and all these quotes from John Calipari are tremendous. Kyle, uh, told us Kyle is covering a basketball game in the Bahamas right now. Otherwise, he would be joining us on the show. But he told us that basically he asked the question about this thing, and John Calipari goes off for twelve minutes. So here, among among the twelve minutes, was this. Remember, he wants a brand new bra- basketball practice facility. Kentucky has a new-ish football practice facility. It's more more new than the basketball one. Have you been there? Yes, it's it's spectacular. Gorgeous. Yeah. Yes. And the reason is, this is a basketball school. It's always been that, Calipari said. Alabama is a football school. So is Georgia. I mean, they are. No disrespect to our football team. I hope they win 10 games and go to bowls. At the end of the day, that makes my job easier and it makes the job of all of us easier. But this is a basketball school, and so we need to keep moving that direction and keep doing what we're doing. And 
He also said, he's talking about the facility again. Everybody should be behind this, our administration. Look, our baseball facility might be the nicest in the country, and I'm happy about that. Our football facility, we spent $200 million. Soccer, unbelievable. Now the track, I love it. So he throws that in there about football again. So Kyle tweets out this story with the, with the this is a basketball school quote in the tweet. And who responds but one Mark Stoops? And he says, basketball school, I thought we competed in the SEC. Hashtag four straight postseason wins. Now, if that is not a shot at getting knocked out of the postseason by St. Peter's, I don't know what is. Have we ever seen a few? Well, first of all, before we go into this, just if you're a publication and you uh, have a budget and you're thinking, do we really need to send the basketball writer to the Bahamas? Yes. Let this be a lesson that the greatest thing can happen in the Bahamas. And I, and I told you, Andy, that's I've, I've wanted to go there for it's that looks like an RE vacation. I Casino, was in the Bahamas several days ago. I know, I know, but I want to go to to Nassau. Isn't that where the the uh, that what's the place called? Atlantis. Every, Atlantis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's got it's a casino on an island with turquoise yes. water, steakhouses, well, and Paradise Island is where Atlantis is. I, I know this because whatever we, it is, we docked in Nassau the other day. I didn't get off the boat. I just looked at Atlantis out out the the window. I would beautiful. have gotten off the boat and saw a few cards, but that's just me. Um, well, there's cards on the boat too. <laughs> there so. also are cards on the boat. <laughs> I've lost a lot of money on cruise ships. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll those get ad- to that later because those, it, it plays into a discussion we have to have about okay. what they're serving for lunch at Alabama. Those a little bit later. Those on. Uh, at sea uh, poker tournaments really get you. Um, okay, <laughs> but what I was going to say is, have we ever seen a feud in the history of sports or college athletics between coaches at the same place? I was trying to think about that, like. Did Bob Knight hate the the football coaches at Indiana? Like it's he seems like he'd be one that would he'd get be into somebody a that would be in that. Yeah, like Bob Knight and Mike Leach coached together at Texas Tech for a period, and they seem to get along okay. Because it's the or most at least like it didn't blow up. The most you know politically correct thing to do is be buddy buddy with the other coach. So um, you know you know what my first take of this was. What's and that? It's been bubbling up inside of me. Why can't people just say the truth? And it not hurt someone's feelings. I mean, I know that it was. I know that it's it's rude to a certain extent because what Mark Stoops has done at Kentucky's football program has been remarkable. We've said it time and time again. But it's not wrong, but why is it offensive? Everybody yeah. knows it's like the the pen is blue. Okay, you know what I mean. The pen is blue. Um, so you know that that to me is just like we live in a world now where it's like you can't just say what the truth is without offending somebody when facts are facts. This so you know it's a fact. Um, and the other thing I wanted to ask you, and I, and I think I saw this on Twitter, but I also had this thought myself. I don't remember who tweeted it, but is there such thing as a basketball school or is foot? Cause we always talk about it all the time. Football that, okay. on television. Yep. Well, let's, let's, that's what I wanted to get into because I think that's what the, the second sentence of, of Mark Stoops's tweet is basketball school question mark. I thought we competed in the sec. What I think he means there is most of the money coming into the athletic department is because of football, because they're an SEC yeah. football program. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what the financial breakdown is, but my first thought was, does Kentucky's football program generate more money from the SEC deal? 
than the basketball program does. Now, of course. they're better than basketball, but if in this crazy world we live in, Mark Stoops creates um, a football dynasty at Kentucky, how many years would it take for Kentucky to be a football school? Oh, that is a great question. Like, if they got, like, awesome and were just rocking shit, beating I, well, everybody, okay, beating Alabama, I, I and they were awesome. There's a flip side to this. They they also then have to be average at basketball. Like, they can't be winning national titles at basketball. Because that will just prolong it. But if they're if they're winning national titles in basketball, like they, they always have, or competing for them, or winning um, national titles in this fake fairyland world, where do you think Kentucky fans just that like both would Mm -hmm. would gravitate toward so it's interesting that you ask this because like i'm not sure this would happen at north carolina or at kansas or one of these other places but i remember because i covered tennessee and i covered florida as a beat writer and both both periods kentucky football was not great but those fans showed out for every game in football they they party like any other sec fan base they packed it out the only time it felt like they just sort of threw up their hands was the end of the joker phillips era but for the most part they've been a very loyal football fan base and so that particular one if they started competing for sec and national titles i think would be a a a foot like you could flip it to a football because it's sec but it's like you don't think that if kansas got awesome I just think that people would naturally gravitate towards football more because America likes football more. Maybe, but like at North Carolina, if they got really, really good, do you think they would? I think that if football teams were competing for national championships over a prolonged period of time, the fan interest would gravitate towards the more popular sport. Eh, I, I think you're probably right. And football, because it's got a bigger stadium and it, it, it's a it's a bigger like each game is a bigger event. I think yeah, because regular season college basketball is just dry now. Yeah, you know, and yeah, I don't know I, what it's like. And it's like it's so funny because well, I mean, Kentucky, Kentucky's the place where it's kind of the biggest event. Like regular season games, there's twenty three thousand people in Rupp Arena. It's very loud. Like it's it's a big event there, but it's still not. It's still a third the capacity of Commonwealth Stadium. Did you know that when I was in my mid twenties, my job was um, secondary Ohio State football reporter and number one basketball. Oh, I did not realize. So that. I have a unique so you got to, perspective you got to of this. Uh, cover be- games with a good good program in an arena where the fans don't show up. I also covered a program under Thad Mata that went to the Final Four a few times. Yeah, and Ohio State had Mike good. Conley and Greg Oden and, and a lot of J- uh, John Diebler and all these guys. David Lighty back then. And if you wrote a story about Ohio State basketball. During the final four, that was well reported and very good. And somebody on the same staff wrote a story about the backup left guard twisting his ankle in, in spring ball. The backup left tackle story would trounce any oh. sort of basketball coverage, and it's not even close. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything that you could do at a place like Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia to make those schools basketball schools. You can't yeah. go to those like if even if those teams are good at like Alabama had a really good basketball team a few years ago or was it this mm-hmm. past year? Um, two, two years ago. It doesn't it doesn't matter. Like there's nothing. How many national championships would Alabama's basketball team have to win for that fan base 
to gravitate towards basketball. I don't think you could ever. Rick, I don't think you could come up with a number for that. But they and, claim they what do they claim eighteen or nineteen in football now? That man. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, even <laughs> well, so, like if if Alabama's football program went into the dumps and ended up losing two games a year. <laughs> You know, for a five year straight and then Alabama's basketball team went to the final four three or four times. I don't think that in year six of that five year run that people would be like, this is a basketball school. And it's funny because Michigan had a very interesting flip side to this, because when Michigan was down and getting beaten by Ohio State, their mm-hmm. basketball team was very good. And uh, yeah, John Bayline was there. And yeah. When, yeah, when he was there and they made the final four of the national championship game, they had awesome teams. And this is a pl- this is a place that has the fab five in its history. Yeah, I don't know that anybody in Michigan ever thought that was a basketball school. So I don't think you can go from football to basketball, but I do think that football could hijack basketball. But the problem is, is that all the places that, you know, are quote unquote basketball schools have dormant football programs for the most part, like right. Arizona, like Kentucky, Kentucky is Kansas, the best of these football programs, Yukon, um, yeah. Duke, North Carolina. Now, North Carolina and Kentucky have been pretty good, especially in the yeah. recruiting trail the last few years. But I think it's so deeply ingrained into, um, uh, you know, the identity of these fan bases that they they gravitate towards basketball. But like, I've always wondered, like, if Arizona got really good at football, I think I think if Arizona got really good at football, they would embrace football. Yeah, because they won a national championship in in the nineties. Or whatever year it was, I'm an Arizona alum, and I don't remember. I think it was '97, but I don't remember what year it was. That's I how interested right. in basketball I was. Um, but I do think that if Kentucky got awesome, there are enough fans in Lexington that are football bred that would love football more than their basketball program. I I, I think that one would flip sooner than than any other one. Maybe anybody in the South, not just the SEC, but yeah, just in the South in just, general. They're ready to be football people. They're already good football fans. They. I I just I can't stress that enough. Like Kentucky football fans are good football fans and always have been. So yeah, you give but them. Let me that let me say this though. Point. You should you should describe what Cal is describing because if you like actually know what the vision is of what he wants to build, whether oh, he it, put his foot in his mouth or not, tremendous. it's a tremendous idea. Yeah, yeah. He wants a show place. He really want and, and and he wants part of it to be a museum to Kentucky basketball. That's amazing. What an Which idea! Is actually. It's something that Urban Meyer said when he got to Florida because he was frustrated that Florida didn't really have a dedicated football facility. And yeah, that when he was the coach, when he got hired, you would basically go up this back hallway, this back stairwell to the coaches' offices, and that's it. There was nothing, no museum, no glass cases or anything. So he had them build what they call their front door to the facility, which I think all of that stuff is going to move into Florida's new football facility when it when it opens here very soon. But what Cal is suggesting is a Kentucky basketball museum because a lot of that stuff is just kind of stored in, in old memorial gymnasium. Like it's basically in, in, and, in and like you can open up and design it in a way where it's open to the public. Right. At least a piece of it. And then a piece of it. Yeah. Where, where the trophies are, you can put a security guard in there or whatever. But the front of the Woody Hayes Center in, at Ohio State is like this shrine of Heisman's and national title trophies. But it's like you put old jerseys in there, game used jerseys, frame them. I mean, like the entire most football buildings in in America are just shrines to their program. Oh, Michigan State's is beautiful. They've got all kinds of cool stuff hanging in there. Um, Tennessee's is unbelievable. They even charge people five dollars to walk through there. I bet you people. Yeah. Hey, listen, some of these some of these athletic departments want a revenue stream for sure. 
uh, Alabama, you can walk in and see the, the, the trophies and it's, it's pretty crazy. I, I don't, the thing about Calipari is, is saying, Hey, I can raise this money in a heartbeat. I think if he can raise it, it's not going to be a problem. You know, they're, they're going to, they're going to go ahead with it. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I mean, if he can raise it in a heartbeat, I don't know why he said what he said. That's, but that's some, true. But I don't know that he's saying this. Sometimes I do wonder like, why people get so offensive. And the funniest thing about this, Andy, and we have to acknowledge it, is... Mm-hmm. Mark Stoops needs to just embrace that. Like that's what makes right. your job Enjoy incredible. Enjoy that pressure. Yes. Thank you for Let him thank have you it. for yeah. that. Yeah. 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 It's like you don't want to blow up your own bag, your own spot, you know? Like, you know, kind of bask in the sun and, and those accomplishments are those accomplishments, but it's like, do you think that what he said at the end of that tweet was a shot at them losing to St. Peter's? I think so. I mean, Kentucky football's last game was a win against Penn State. Yeah. Kentucky basketball's last game is a loss to St. Peter's. Yeah, but I th- also think that like if he just means postseason wins, that's kind of proving Cal's point well, a little bit. Because well, but here's here's the other thing. If Mark Stoops had Nick Saban's job and 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 had the same records that he's at had a quote record, unquote football school, he'd have been fired. Right. And so that's that's what Calipari's dealing with. And who has more job security at Kentucky? Mark Stoops or John Calipari? I would argue it's Mark Stoops right I now. I think that it is Mark Stoops. Yeah, I, it is, I, I it, don't even know that it's close. Mark yeah, Stoops can uh, can stay I there for the rest say, of the year. Iowa. They beat Iowa in the bowl game last year. Oh, Iowa, in, yeah. In 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 a very a clash of very similar styles. And they've got one of the most exciting, electrifying quarterbacks in the land. Yes. Um. We, so we you know, I, I don't know. I I think that on one hand. I think it's stupid that Cal said that because what's the point of that? You work, you work there. It didn't help make your point anymore. You know, 
unless he was saying that they they spent too much money on the other things when it should have been going towards basketball. But even then, you know, fundraisers and stuff, you, you find the way to make both. Um, well, uh, so Nishant in our comments says, if could this be a play for more NIL money or, or money from boosters? I think that's what this is. This is this is Cal talking through Kyle Tucker, you know, getting this message out here saying it just what Ari just said. I need this money. I, I, I can raise it from some people, but I can't raise it all right now. So I need some people to help out. Yeah, yeah. So on one hand, I, I don't know why he said it, or I guess if you think that's the case, then it makes sense that he said it that way. But on the other hand, I think it's kind of not smart for Mark Stoops to react the way that he did because A, it's the truth. Right. And B, you're just chilling right now. You know, and but I know that he's got a very I, I, hard job and like it's not easy to do what he did. And I've got all the respect in the world for Mark Stoops. We've said it a thousand times. I'll say it for a thousand and one. Uh that said. Don't fly too close to the sun. Well, but I think Mark Stoops would would like to fly close to the sun. And I understand that. These you know, these guys are competitive. I told you about I ran into him in Las Vegas at the National Football Foundation stuff. And we we're joking around about us calling Kentucky the best job in the country. And he mentioned he doesn't like that. He doesn't like because of the connotation that he doesn't have to win like everybody else has to win or that it's not as hard as everybody else's job. And, and I kind of agree. I understand where he's coming from because to do what he's done at Kentucky, the difficulty level is incredibly high. Not many people could do it. Yeah. Um, this is an interesting question from the chat, Andy. Yes. Nick Terry says, I wanted to ask you to this question. When the playoff expands, Stoops will be expected to make it at least once every four years or so. What Do you think that that's true? I don't think he, every four years, but, you know, I, I do think, well, listen, if it's a 12-team playoff, these 10-win Kentucky teams, they got a shot, right? Yeah, he, like, he says that, that if it becomes if it becomes the expectation, then he thinks he loses the best coaching job in America title. Would he just give it to Jeff Brom at that point? Yeah, Jeff Brom's got a pretty sweet gig, too. But actually, on Stars Matter, Mitch had a trivia question. Okay. And he said, for for the years between 2013 and 17, that five-year period to the five-year period since the 2017 class, which program in America has raised its recruiting results most? Like, who has improved their final ranking the most Is on average? Purdue? And it's Purdue. Interesting, and I he he made me guess that I I couldn't have come up with that in a million years. Um, so that to me I think is is worth contextualizing a little bit about what he's done because I've always been like it's either a disaster or it's awesome there, but it's like actually maybe the foundation of the program is stronger with him there. And if I would have known well, that stat, I think maybe my now, thoughts I, I would, would be argue different. That, that the the quality of player that Kentucky goes after and lands has risen considerably. Oh sure, there's no in question those years too. And they've done a good job in Kentucky, and they've done a great job in Ohio. I mean, they—they, they, to me, Kentucky is built like a program that would be the second best program in a lot of years in the Big Ten. They recruit the same territories. They're—they're they're in Ohio, like it's a home state. Um, they've done better than Louisville in the state of of Kentucky. Um, I know Louisville's out there getting those California talents, however they're doing it, but they're doing it. Um, but Kentucky is what it is now. If Kentucky's threshold for expectations ever increases which what is what you would expect if you were a basketball or i mean a, sorry a football school 
then I think our perception of what his job is right now and how cushy and great it is would shift because part of the reason why we think that it's such a great job is because there aren't very high expectations. It's like anything that you do over eight wins is a considerable, you know, win for that program. And if it ever gets to the point where uh, they have to win nine or 10, then it becomes more difficult. And to sustain that, I think is really hard there. So it's kind of like, be careful what you wish for in terms of the profile and the expectations that you have at your program. Yeah. So I looked Kentucky last year would have been numbered or was number 22 in the final CFP rankings. They weren't really in it. Although I, you know, maybe they could have gotten there if, if, if things bounce a little bit differently, but yeah, I, I think they could make it with a 12 team playoff, especially if there's a 16 team playoff. Yeah. I think there's, there's a chance they could make it. And obviously the further down you go with every the expansion, eight, nine years, Right. The further you go down with the expansion, the higher the expectations are of making it because it's not as exclusive. So if you go to 16 or, or, or whatever, then making it more often than 12, I think, is because, I mean, honestly, Andy, we talk about how there's a big gap in the college football playoff between four and four and eight and then eight and 12. It's a huge gap. Once you get out of the top 12 and you start getting into the 14, 15, 16, like the threshold for how good you have to be to make the playoff as the 16th best team in the country is very, very low. So yeah. I think there are multiple Kentucky programs that would have breezed into the playoff if it was a 16-team playoff. And you know what I love about this live chat comments here is mm-hmm. that we got people uh, uh, doing research for us on the fly. I love so it. So I'm going to attribute this to Kevin Wise, who's in our chat right now. And if you aren't in our chat and you aren't watching this live on YouTube, just know that this is a great option. We want this YouTube channel to grow, and we love kind of having you guys interact with us because we are looking and reading at your comments as we go here. Um, Kevin Wise, according to what I could find, 2020 men's basketball gross revenue was 29 million, and football was 44 million. Yeah, yeah and that's what that's what they send into the Department of Education. And yeah. now look, you're selling 65,000 seats seven times a year. That's right. a lot of money. Yeah, and, and you got the popcorn going. Yeah, and and then if you're if if you bring in what football television like football television it's generally accepted as about 85 to 90% of a media rights deal for a conference of course so now and that's the whole that's the whole thing what are people wanting to watch now what you get from the NCAA tournament that is also a, a television thing too and that's actually a like the the shares the SEC gets that it then splits among the schools that mm-hmm. is a decent amount of money but yeah, it's it is interesting because I, I I do think Stoops would be expected to do it maybe once to get to the playoff, but I don't think Jason I don't think you have says to. If they Kentucky, were uh, they were number fourteen in the final CFP ranking in two thousand eighteen, mm-hmm. so they would have been they would have been in the mix. If Kentucky ever gets that good, then Mark Stoops will be off to a blue blood. So right. I guess the, the discussion that we're talking about, though, is that if and then uh, Byron Alice responds, if Kentucky gets that good, he will be at a blue blood. Yeah. Um, so I guess what the, the scenario that I laid out, which is if they become awesome and start beating Alabama and competing for national titles, then, you know, I guess he theoretically are in a place that you wouldn't want to leave. But if they if they won one national title, why would he ever leave? He would be right. a, he would be the god of all gods there. And he will have reached the mountaintop that most coaches leave smaller schools um, or less football school-ish places 
to accomplish. You know, like, isn't mm-hmm. that the number one thing? Like, why would Mark Stoops leave? It's the discussion we had about him months ago. The only reason why that human being would ever leave Kentucky is because he has an insatiable desire to try to win a national championship. It's not That's money. Exactly right. He's got a huge if, buyout. Yeah. He's got job security. He has if great L- facilities. If LSU had offered him the job, I think he would have taken it. But like, you could also make the case that Brian Kelly did it, and he was at Notre Dame. The same yeah. exact reason. Right. I, I'm, I'm with you. So this, this is an interesting I don't know if you want to do that. Why would you want to do that? Is it just be, are you just a loser if you just say, hey, no, thanks. I don't feel like being in that environment. No, it's listen, it's it's just depends on the person you are. If you if you are comfortable in your own skin and you feel like, hey, I, I can be successful here. I can live a satisfying life. I can feel like this is a satisfying career, making a buttload of money, winning games here, not feeling like I have to win 12 games every year, and not feeling like you're going to keel over every night before bed. Right. Yeah. Right. Then then. Yeah. That's fine. I don't think most of these guys are wired that way, though. I don't think you get to be the head coach even at a place like Kentucky unless you are wired to want to be a national champion. And, is Dave Clawson wired that way? I don't think he's... I, I think he's one of the unusual guys. I think he might leave Wake Forest, but it wouldn't be for for like an Alabama. It would be for a Northwestern or something like that. Yeah. So it's possible that Mark Stoops is wired like Dave Clawson, but Mark Stoops is, is. I think, yeah, I, I don't I think, think he is too. All right, let, let's talk about this Mark Stoops situation a little more. Cause I, uh, I realize we talk about him a lot, but almost as an avatar for the idea of there's a level of job now in the sec and the big 10 because of the money and, and the big 10, it's about to get even more. There's a level of job that, it's become so attractive. And I do wonder if you're in the Big 12, if you're in the Pac-12, how much how much are you going to... You asked me this question a few weeks ago, and you said Florida State or Purdue. Which job do you want? And I, my immediate response was Purdue because the expectations are lower than Florida State, but the pay could be considerably higher very soon. So maybe you are Dave Clawson. Maybe I am. Maybe I am. I think normal people are. But but also, are there any other jobs that will enter that realm like as this giant money comes flowing into the SEC and and the Big 10? Like does the Illinois job, does the Michigan the, the Mississippi State job? Like do those jobs become I feel like superior? there's more candidates in the Big 10 for jobs like that than there are in the SEC cuz most of the programs in the SEC are probably top 10% jobs. Well, I also feel like there, there's a certain type of coach who does not want to recruit in the SEC. Like that, the, that yeah. lifestyle does not appeal to. I don't the think coach. I would want to. Yeah, because I mean, we we talked about Mark Stoops and and the difference between that the Kentucky job and the LSU job, but I'm not sure in the recruiting realm it's all that different. I think it's probably as stressful, even though you're not, you may not be in on the same players. If you go look at what Kentucky's done in the recruiting realm. And I know they've been in Mississippi and in Florida and they've gone into the South, but they are running head to head against big 10 teams more than the SEC teams. I think. Yeah. That's true. And that could be slowly changing, you know? Um, but just because you're in the SEC doesn't mean you have to recruit the SEC territories. If you were closer right. to fertile Midwestern grounds. Yeah. I mean, he, his, his brilliant, the, the brilliance of what he does is, 
Like he, he went in there, got that job and started going into Ohio and saying, listen, Ohio state didn't offer you. So instead of going to Wisconsin or Penn, uh, Penn state or, or Michigan state or one of those schools come to Kentucky, which is the same distance drive from your house and play in the sec. Yeah. I went worked. to, I went to Lexington and wrote a story and the headline was big 10 killer. Because for a while, Kentucky was getting all the players that should have been going to the Michigan States. And sorry, guys, this was before Mel Tucker. Okay, hands up. Not coming, baby. Uh, yeah, coming. yeah. Um, but, you know, should have been going to Michigan State at the time in Michigan and Illinois and all these teams that, you know, for every really good team like or player like Lynn Bowden who went to Kentucky, you know, it's like he could have found a spot somewhere in the Big Ten and been awesome in the Big Ten and just one less great player in the conference. Um but yes, I think that the the entire plan was good um, and sound, and they have they're from Youngstown. Like they, you know, it, it's funny. The lead of the story, the Big Ten killer, I painted a picture of Vince Marrow, the recruiting coordinator, sitting mm-hmm. at his desk. Um, Who t- tonight he's sitting in the sports bar watching Kentucky basketball. I just saw a photo. Yeah, um, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's cursing calendars. Breath or not. And every single time Ohio State takes a, a commitment from California or Florida or Texas, he goes like this. You know, he does the fist pump because uh-huh. it's like one more on their board. It's one more that they can't take in Ohio. Yep. And it's it's a really and you know what? Ohio State's a very good program. They miss guys on Ohio. Sometimes they misevaluate guys and sometimes they don't take very good players that should be going to Ohio State because they're too big on their national brand. So it's not because like Kentucky's just taking the leftovers. There's no, a lot of really good, good leftovers. players. Yes. And, and also somebody who's on the cusp that you know, like an Ohio state or an Alabama is okay. Maybe we're offering this guy or maybe we're not. Sometimes that person develops a little differently and they mm-hmm. wind up being the player that, that right. they, everybody thought they could have been. And if Ohio and so, State's like, should we offer you? Kentucky's like, we did. Yep, exactly. And, and that's how you do it. We'll be right back after these words. But I'm curious if, if other jobs are now like, okay, here's an, here's a thought. I was, uh, because I know what I've said about this job, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, I don't know if I'm right. So my assumption is that Michigan State giving Mel Tucker this contract, $95 million guarantee, says you bet that that says to him, we, we're paying you to win the national title. And I believe that. The thing is, the Michigan State fans and, and administration believe that. Like if he's, if he's given them nine, 10 win seasons, regularly are they going to be okay with that they might be do michigan state fans actually wholeheartedly believe that they will win a national title in the next 10 years is that the question no it's not well maybe maybe that is the question i think the answer to that question are they going to fire mel tucker if he doesn't win the big 10 within five years are they going to is it will he will he be on the hot seat if he doesn't win the big 10 within five years i think that if michigan state is able to create one season like they created when mark d'antonio had it running in the next 10 years that was so the 2013 season basically or the 15 season either one okay yes or if they do it twice in 10 years i think that would be more than sufficient and I get in trouble on this podcast with when we talk about Michigan State. Okay, and I want to soften it, but I've tried my best to to articulate without being disrespectful how big of a freaking gap there is 
between what they're trying to do right now and who is doing it. Right. And, and, and we, not, we had the argument before. Yes. They are trying to do what Clemson did. And and, and maybe they'll it, succeid. Okay. Right. I, Only I, Clemson I has been able it. to do that in 20 years. Only and, I, Clemson. And, I, and I'm sorry that I dismissed it because you should always encourage people to try. That said, since we've had the podcast, I think they're kind of trying to see now a little bit how hard it is to do it on a national scale right away. Now, will it get better incrementally? Sure. Is their class improved? Sure. Will it continue to improve? I think that's the plan. But 10 years is a long time, but 10 years is not that long of a time to go from pretty good program who is getting three or four top 100 players to Alabama. You know, like that is, and you have to be Alabama if you want to win a national championship right now because you either got to beat them or you got to beat a team that beat them. So like they have a long way to go before we're in that discussion point. But they are paying Mel Tucker, and Mel Tucker is approaching the job the same way that a national championship coach would do it. And he's trying to raise the profile. They're doing something new. And and if I was bad at articulating that a month ago, I would like to extend an olive branch to Michigan State fans and say, I respect the hell out of him trying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because if he can't do it, then who's going to do it? Well, but here's the thing. Does that become the best job in America because you're making almost $10 million a year and they don't expect you to win the national title? Yes, but beating Ohio State and winning the Big Ten is still part of uh, part of the deal, too. It's still part of the deal. Okay. So, like, that which, to which, me is like... Which yeah. they did not long ago. Like they, that, they, they have been more successful in beating Ohio State than any other team in the Big Ten. Correct. Correct. Like, it has not been that long since they had, you know, 13 and 15 where they, they beat them head-to-head... Mm-hmm. And and they, I mean, that team beat went. Ohio State's best, most talented team and went to the playoff. Yeah, no, you're. I right. don't know what you're more right you could that. ask at Michigan State. Yeah, I, I'm. I think this is going to be really interesting. But uh, I, I am, I'm with you on that because I think you're trying to find. Now, let me ask you this one. Now, this might piss some people off, but hey, it's a podcast. We're here to entertain. We're just talking here. Just us girls here talking. <laughs> is Penn State a better job than Michigan State? Ooh, like because Penn State plays in the same division too. Mm-hmm. But at they, Penn State, historically, you've been able to get the best players in Pennsylvania. You can go up to New Jersey and get players. You can get players from the DMV. They like they are conditioned to look at Penn State naturally. Which place has more? Which place has more pressure for the coach? Penn State. Penn State has to play Ohio State. Hmm. But Michigan State has to play Ohio State and Michigan. That's two. Penn State also has to play Michigan. I know, but if they lose to Michigan, and I know they don't like each other, but it's not the same thing. Well, when divisions go away, it's going to be really interesting to see how that yes, works. Scheduling will be will be different, but I think if like Penn State goes 10-2 and two and loses to Ohio State by 10 and, and goes to the Fiesta Bowl or something, that is a very successful season for Penn State. I no? don't know. I don't I think they're very similar in terms of their expectations. I mean the coaches have nearly identical contracts, don't they? They do. They do. And and I I I think okay. Let's just piss off everybody in the Big 10, not Ohio State. Let's rope Michigan into this. Rank rank these in terms of expectations. Like you coach had better win some Big 10 titles. Penn State Michigan, Michigan. State, Penn, oh, go Michigan ahead. Michigan State, Penn State, or Michigan. One, two, three, rank them. 
in terms of what their fans expect or which You'd one would be the hardest? You'd better win some Big Ten titles. Yes, most highest expectations to lowest. Oh, God. I mean, historically, it's Michigan. But right. Michigan's been right beaten now. down so much that I think winning, uh, man. And they just won it, too. That but is I, a really I, hard question, man. I don't I know. Think, I, I don't think know. you agree with me. I think you'd put Michigan three here. What I would do is I would put Michigan third on the list of most desirable jobs. If you like, if they're like Ari, you can go be, you can go be the head coach at Penn State, Michigan State, and Michigan, and get paid the same amount of money. Where would you want to coach? I think Michigan would be my third because I don't want to be judged every single year by how I do against Ohio State, Penn State, and and and, and Michigan State, Michigan State can right. lose to you're, Ohio you're State and have a good over year. A broader. Yes. Criteria, yes. So to me, like that, the Ohio State cloud hanging over their head would just be awful. I would not want to do that. Um, and you have to take into account too. And 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 Byron Alice in the chat here said the gap between Ohio State and the rest of the Big Ten is really wide. It's like to put it in perspective. I think Ohio State has signed more top 100 players at receiver in the last five years than the rest of the Big Ten combined or some weird stat like that. And it's just in one of their position rooms. Like the amount of talent in Ohio State's roster is so superior to everybody else. I wouldn't want to be compared to them. I'd want to I want I would I'd want to be the year that I actually do it. You know, clip them as as he said. Um mm-hmm would be the best year in the world, but I wouldn't want my fans to feel like the season sucked if I didn't beat them. That would be a yeah. miserable existence to me. Like Harbaugh, I understand why he'd want to go to the NFL. I do too. I actually answered a mailbag question about this this week because the the, the person asked me over under two and a half years, how long, how much longer is Harbaugh at Michigan? And and then then asked the second question of, does he leave for another job? Does he get fired? Does he, does he quit and become a dairy farmer? What were your answers? Like the dairy farmer seemed like the most one of the more logical options because I think the way his contract works now, like I think is unless he can do this again, I think his NFL window is closed and the way his contract works, he ain't getting fired. That thing's fully guaranteed. Yeah. You know, it's funny that we were talking about stoops earlier, but the natural temperament of a person like me or you, not that we're not competitive. We want this to be the best college football podcast out there. We want to be as successful as possible and, and, and reach as many people as we can. But I'm actually working on a story right now about Eddie George. I sat with Eddie George in his office last week um, in, in Nashville, Tennessee State, and I asked him point blank, like, why would you want to do this? We had him on the show last year when he took the job. And it's just like, why would you want to do this? Um it's because normal people want to work really, really hard and kind of ride off into the sunset and be a dairy farmer or lay right. on a yacht or whatever their personal slice of heaven looks like. These people, these coaches are obsessed with with raising their profile and continuing to be successful into winning. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I don't know what your take is on Harbaugh. Like, I don't know what he's fixated on. He's a very interesting guy. He, but like, he what, how did you answer it? And he's honest, too. That's the other thing. He's not hiding anything. I think he really would like to go back to the NFL, but that's not an option right now. So he's at Michigan, and he's got to replace two coordinators. And, you know, Jesse Mentor seems like he's going to run the same defense that Mike McDonald ran so that, that you know, you are plugging and playing there. Uh, we will see, you know, if, if you ask Michigan people, they'll be like, well, you know, Weiss and, and Sharon Moore are really running the offense 
at the end of last year wasn't so much Gaddis. We're going to find out because Gaddis is gone and, and those guys are running the offense now. So we'll, we'll see. But this, this is, is a good point, replaced. too, from, from Byron that we have to talk about. Michigan State is trying to build something, and they mm-hmm. saw a coach that had a really good first year, and they didn't want to lose him, right? Yep. Penn State gave Franklin the contract after two bad years, and two recruiting classes ago was one of the worst recruiting classes I've ever seen in my entire life. But also, they also didn't want to lose him, though. But why? Half the fan bases didn't, didn't care. Get John Hayes on, on the on the show. He'll tell you. Yeah. yeah I think a lot of people, I, I, feel like, I feel like a lot of the people were kind of like, I'm ready for a change. I want to try something new. So like from that standpoint, like and maybe it's just different art, uh, like arches in like the paths of those programs because Penn State, you know, has been good uh, recently and, and Michigan State has had a few rough years, um, you know, heading into these two coaches contract extensions. But I don't know, man. I think that as time kind of wears you down a little bit and things change and perceptions change, like the expectations at Michigan State, if you just saw how the way those people acted when I got on this podcast, I think are kind of like in overdrive mode. We're hungry. We're going to do it mode. Tuck coming mode. And Penn State's kind of just like, can we get to 10 wins again? We, we will see, Ari. We have got to talk about this video that Alabama put out. This is the greatest recruiting video ever made. I, I argue that Alabama had the greatest recruiting graphic ever, and that was, I think it was 2015 or 2016. Was it all the money? When they had, it was a picture of the 2011 offense, I believe, or maybe the 2012 offense, and, and had what NFL team everybody played on because they were all still in the NFL. And then they did it the next day with the defense from that season. And it was like three years out, and they were all still in the NFL. Yeah. And it, it was insane. But, what they put out on Thursday was even better. Uh, for those listening, you're going to get a little bit of, of talking, and then there's going to be some music. But don't worry. I will, I will walk you through it when we come back. So here, here is the video. If you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see well, you're gonna see something beautiful. Y'all see we got dinosaur kidneys. <laughs> Ain't nobody else doing it. We're the only team that eats dinosaurs. <laughs> They're eating dinosaur, he says, because they're eating tomahawk ribeyes for lunch. Not only are they eating tomahawk ribeyes, they also have a chocolate fountain, just like the one at Golden Corral. So basically, Alabama football is if Golden Corral served tomahawk ribeyes. That is that is what the life of an Alabama football player is. That is lunch for an Alabama football player. Ari. I think you're selling them short by the Golden Corral thing. Let's go hometown buffet. <laughs> but Golden Corral actually has the chocolate fountain. Yeah, they do. Um, Golden but Corral. These are tomahawk ribeyes, like three pound tomahawk ribeyes. You know and what I just, love the most about that video? What's is that? that? It's salt like bay? one of the no, chefs no, is doing the salt no, bay thing. The music. Whenever I hear that music, I just think of like Rose from the Titanic walking down in a gown. <laughs> And all yes. the people in tuxedos down there, like in the first class dining area. And that's like what they're getting, like a, a first class uh, ribeye getting, uh, I mean, a tomahawk ribeye getting chopped off the bone there. And like, I was just going to ask you this, Mr. Lifting Weight Six Pack. Um, mm-hmm. Is steak an acceptable, healthy lunch? Yeah. Now, probably not the ribeye. 
Yeah. He's pretty fatty. But if you went sirloin or filet, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because it's pretty lean. I mean, these guys are probably burning 2,000 calories a workout, though, too. So they can. They the, can these guys are burning so many calories between their workouts and, and, and their practicing right now. They, they are absolutely not concerned. Now, well, they, they also have dietitians that are concerned with every calorie they consume. And everything so, they put in their little tin boxes there has been measured out perfectly to what they should be eating that day. Exactly. So I, I, I think you got to, you know, you have to probably be in a certain place if you want to hit the chocolate fountain. But but you're the kind of guy it, that would, would you put your hand on the chocolate fountain and then like your, your index finger? I put my whole mouth on the chocolate fountain. <laughs> I just dunk my head in there. Is fondue the right way to say that? Is that what that is? Or is fondue no, something different? No, fondue is like boiling chocolate. Fondue is, uh, you know, could, when you do the fondue dinner, like if you if you took your prom date to the melting pot, you there would be a cheese course where they'd have like the 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 Emmenthaler and some other kind of cheese with the Kirschwasser brandy, and then you dunk the bread in the boiling cheese, and then they take that away and they bring out oil, and then you cook the meats in the oil, which you realize you're paying them. For you to do all the work, but whatever. I've never been to the melting pot. It's 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 a uh, it's a tremendous prom night experience. Where did you? So, is that where you went on your prom night? No, we didn't go to the melting pot. For they actually served a dinner at my prom. So I think there was no pre prom dinner for you. Actually, no. I think we went to like a Japanese steakhouse. Okay. I, I, I can't even remember. But we went to Mastro's. Well, Lottie, freaking da. There is not a Mastro's in Longwood, Florida. So I remember it was like that was like our big that was like we were planning that for months. Now, I guess there are there were nice steakhouses in other parts of Orlando that we could have driven to. Yeah. But at, at that point in my life, I didn't know those places even existed. So, yeah. But and then but the, your third course at a, at a fondue dinner type place is the they put the pot of chocolate out and they put it on a, a flame. under. OK, it so everything it, is just melted and you dip stuff. Yeah. In so the, the chocolate fountain is melted chocolate, but it is at a, a more reasonable temperature. So I could dunk my head in there and not die. Yeah. Well, if that's the way you were going to go, then that'd be fine, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like it'd be like in Goldfinger when you get car- the guys get covered in gold and he got covered in chocolate shell like a Dairy Queen ice cream cone. You know, like the, uh, the the on like Instagram when people like flex, but try to make it seem like they're not trying to flex. Like if I wouldn't know has, anything about that, Ari. Oh yeah, I guess you you're like first place. Like, it's hey, check my out my dog. My dog is trying to to tuck yeah, in my check out my t- check out my dog. Oh, by the way, no, my, my abs dog. are beaming through the front. But like you know, even with like money and like possessions and stuff, it's like, hey, you know, check this thing out. And then in the background, there's a three thousand dollar purse. Like, that's what all these recruiting videos are. Like oh, they're yeah. they're not even like they're just trying to be like, look how awesome we have it. And the only reason they exist is to impress impressionable teenagers who may come across that video well i I will tell you a 16 year old andy seeing those steaks in that chocolate fountain i mean they look great too that's the thing like anybody can make a tomahawk if i'm good enough to play at alabama once i see that video my recruitment is over how many how many days in a row do you think you could have a tomahawk steak for lunch I mean, I'd try to do it every day if I could. I don't think I exercise enough to pull that off. But Yeah, I don't know if, if you know this about me, but my cousin Kyle um, played at Ohio U as a punter. Ah. And we were actually ah. talking about this because this morning um, I was coming back from a workout and I was like exhausted because I just, like when I'm done with them, I'm like ready to keel over. And I just said, how do you do, like when you were at Ohio, like how did you because the punter had to go through the the workouts yeah. too. Oh yeah, got to wake up at five in the morning. 
mm-hmm. and you've got the weightlifting for two and a half hours. You live this. I um, remember it. I don't know how a human being. And then you've got school all day. Then you've got film. And then you you go do your homework, and then you work out again, and then you go to bed at eight o'clock, and you got to be up again at four every it's single day. It's a lot day. of work. It's every a lot of work single it day without. Discipline. It's without. It's relentless. Well, there are weekends, but yes. Yeah, but you know, I don't know. It just like that would be. I don't even know. Like, and and when it gets dark at seven p.m., you know, it's just like you're, and you finally go to bed, and you get that twenty minutes to yourself in bed, just dreading falling asleep because you know it's gonna feel like you've been asleep for twenty five minutes when your alarm goes off and you got to do the whole thing all over again. But he also said that he would drink Mountain Dew by the two liter bottles and like eat Taco Bell every day. I did day. that too. Yeah, like uh, I, I that. When I worked for the school newspaper, this is I'm not playing football anymore, which is probably why this was incredibly stupid because I could have burned it playing football. But yeah, I would take a two liter Mountain Dew and I would eat. I, I would drink it like it was a can. <laughs> because it's like you eat. You're working out so much, you literally could eat anything. And that was back in the days. Oh, I couldn't gain weight playing football. I yeah, could I mean, not gain. I ate like I I would order a pizza at midnight and eat it after eating all day yeah i was talking to an offensive lineman a while back who was trying to gain weight because they have to gain weight some of them yeah and he said like between the workouts and everything you he would have to like eat a jar of peanut butter with a spoon before bed yeah and and a lot of those guys like the nfl guys actually just set alarms and they have shakes and they have more prepared stuff because that the, they're so used to it and dude i and they haven't measured out i but could not imagine a world where they're like ari You've got a month. You have to gain 20 pounds. <laughs> like how great that would be. Well, the, the crazy one is like the water polo guys, like the U.S. water polo team. I think they have to eat something to the tune of 10,000 calories a day when they're training. So you could eat 10,000 calories their weight. in a breeze. There's probably 2,000 calories in an entire two-liter bottle. Or like how many calories are in a two-liter? Yeah, but you can't. You're not supposed to consume those calories. Oh. Well, if you're gaining like you're weight. supposed to consume decent calories at 10,000 yeah. decent calories. Yeah, it wasn't Michael Phelps's diet, like 15,000 calories of like steak a day and stuff. Yeah. And, and so 10,000 calories or 15,000 calories of decent calories is an enormous amount of food. Like, yeah. The, there would be no joy in eating anymore. That yeah, point. that's true. Yeah. I always just thought, well, if you have to gain weight, you know, eat, eat an entire jar of peanut butter with a spoon and then wash it down with Coke, uh, cherry coke on draft and then go to sleep into a into a carb think, coma well the, the peanut butter wouldn't be as bad as the coke but yeah i mean ideally what you'd be doing is is eating grilled chicken and and lettuce and maybe sweet potatoes something like that it's a little bit of a slower burn carb and but can you imagine just the piles of that you would have to eat to to put on or to, to keep that burn on. I mean, I, I remember because I, I didn't have anybody telling me what to eat. So I was eating junk, but I was eating a lot this of was junk. back in the day before they had, before they had the nutrition. Yeah, there was nobody, there was no dietitian or anything. And, and I would just go load up at the buffet over and over and over again. Yeah. It didn't Nick matter. Terry it didn't just asked, how many filet fishes would you need to eat to gain 20 pounds? <laughs> um, and that's a funny thing, but like, guess how many calories are in a filet fish sandwich? Uh, 800. Nope. It's like 379. It's not a very big sandwich. 
I was going to say, even with the tartar sauce and everything? Yeah. Okay, so so 379 is a good number because it's 3,500 calories per pound, right? Yeah. So if it's 3,500 calories per pound, you would need to eat 200 filet fish sandwiches to gain 20 pounds. That's of excess. Oh, right? Excess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, excess. In excess of what you would normally in, take in like for the day. In, in excess of like you have your 2,000 calorie baseline of what you should be eating that day. Yeah. And then on top of it, you would have to eat 200 filet fishes. Now, if I had a month to do it, that do would that. be 200 divided by 30 is 6.6 filet fish sandwiches per day. On top of what you on top of eat. a normal eat, but if you have a normal eating day, two thousand calories, you could get hungry by midnight, yeah. by eleven, by ten. And you I just could knock smash out six filet fishes. I think that I, I honestly could hit two filet fishes in the morning. You, you, you're talking about the sloppiest weight you could possibly put. Yeah, on. two filet fishes in the morning, lunch, two filet fishes around two thirty after lunch dinner and then two filet fishes or three filet fishes at night at 10 o'clock dude I this guy dinner is at pack, they're gonna kill you tomorrow for even thinking this they're gonna kill I, you. i didn't think it nick terry thought it i just went up and i did the math uh well listen that'd be a delicious t- way to, to we're gonna take gain. we're taking you the other way we're, yeah, we're taking we so <laughs> i the guy the golden corral things on my mind when i saw the chocolate fountain in the alabama video because we were on a cruise last week and I hadn't been on a cruise since college. And I, just the amount of sheer amount of food and alcohol is, is mind boggling. Like, Did you just go crazy on the boat? So that picture you saw of me with a drink, I had been on the boat for about an hour. That was my fourth drink. Yeah. It, I had the deluxe drink package. So, oh, cause you were having a bunch of sugar drinks. Is there sugar in that? A bunch of sugar in that, in that one, but I, I, there were, trust me, there were some really good Manhattans consumed. There were some good yeah. old fashions, uh, decent margaritas. So it wasn't all. Yeah. When I went just, on a cruise with my family, you would just like walk around the boat and there would just be a pizza by the slice place. There, there is that. And just grab uh, that, the pizza by the too. slice. There's no so, transaction. You just grab it. And then over there, there's the burger place. And then over there's the fry place. And <laughs> but one, the whole, one of our friends who was with us goes, this is a floating golden corral. It is. That's what this is. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's and, tremendous. With yeah, a full and bar. actually the food was better than Golden Corral. Here's but, my thing with Golden Corral. If you walk into a Golden Corral, and I haven't done this in, in five or seven years, like I was I've been to one in the last two years. Well, okay. right you must have been pandemic. really hungry. So the but la- what, what happens is you walk in and you're starving because nobody goes to Golden Corral when they're not starving, right? That's true. So you walk into Golden Corral and you're starving and you look around, they've got steak over here. They got they've got tremendous rolls there, by the way. The rolls are um, great. They've but got the, the fried is- the steak every night is when it really changed the game. Because I remember back in the day when Ryan's Steakhouse would do the all-you-can-eat steak on Wednesday nights for like twelve ninety nine. It was it was tremendous. And then Golden Corral was like, okay, fine, we'll do all-you-can-eat steak too. But we're gonna do it every night. That's when yeah. that's when it all changed. I've just never been a low quality steak person in restaurants. So, like even when I go to Golden Corral, when you go to places like that, they exist to carb load and to smash food. I'm talking taters. I'm talking. I'm talking. See, I can I can go to Golden and Corral cheese. and not eat a single carb. Yeah, I don't. See, I'll. I'll you like eating I'll that rubbery, rubbery excuse for a steak they put out there? At sirloin, sure, I'll take it. Don't be a snob, Ari. I'm not being a snob, but just not. Mister Filet, 
Filet of fish, Domino's cheesy that's exactly bread. The, no, that's no, exactly the reason why you know I'm not a snob. Is not enough for you. I'm not a snob. That's that's how you you just proved that I'm not. I'm just saying it, I just don't enjoy that. So See, but I do. I like I like top sirloin. You cook it. You cook it rare or medium rare. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you but I've never, that, never. You go. You I've go also, green beans. You go some carrots. You go some salad. A lot of and you just and keep carrots. going back. Yeah, when I go to places like that, I'm in there to do damage and to wreck my body. And I'm talking like macaroni and cheese and French fries and hush puppies and deep fried fish and tartar sauce and all that stuff. But what happens at Golden Corral is you go in there hungry and you get the first plate. And are you an eat off your plate while you're adding stuff to your plate guy or are you yes, wait to get to the table? I I'm an eat. Um, I, I uh, eat off my plate and then I go back to the table and you get the corn and you, all that stuff. At every plate that you get at Golden Corral, you get less hungry. And I think like the second plate, the first plate is glorious. It's the most delicious thing in the world because you're starving. It's deep fried. It's crap. It's good. And then the second plate, you're like, I'm not that hungry anymore, but this is okay. And it gets progressively worse every time you go back up there. You're not going with the right goal in mind. I go to Golden Corral to turn a profit, Ari. Their cost must exceed my cost, or how I have many, failed. So how much is Golden Corral now? I don't even know. Is it like nine I, bucks or something? That's a good question. The last time I went, I want to say it was like $15.99. But I, it may, I'm sure it's much more expensive now. Yeah, Jason's with me on this. I agree. Steak has to be good quality unless it's chicken fried steak. That is the perfect take. Um, yeah, I, so how many sirloin steaks do you have to consume to make sure that they're in the red after after you walk out? Of well, uh, so sirloin right now, <laughs> sirloin right now is very expensive. But you know, back then, if you got if you got it wholesale, I'm thinking you're probably getting it for like two ninety nine, three fifty a pound. So you got to eat a couple pounds, and two three pounds of steak to okay. really do some damage. But the fresh veggies cost some money. The fruit costs some money. The rolls are probably not very expensive. The rolls do not cost anything at all, but they are delicious. Oh, you can order online at Golden Corral now. Did you know that? That, that seems like a bad idea. Who's ordering online? Yeah. Um, I'm just trying to <laughs> yeah. figure out how much it costs for one one all-you-can-eat pass. Because I feel like if it's it's probably 16 bucks now. Oh, no. Oh, I bet it's more than that. Oh, breakfast is ten forty nine per person. Adult dinner is $14.99. Oh, $14.99. Okay. I can I can beat Golden Corral then. Still in my current state where I can't eat nearly as much as I used to. I can I guarantee you I can beat Golden Corral, especially with the price of meat these days. How many steaks is that? That's six steaks. Well, I that's an obscene amount of food, Andy. There well, yeah. I mean, have you never eaten three pounds of steak in one sitting? No, I've never been a gorge myself with steak person. Or That's with, not even gorging. That's just delicious. I only gorge with carbs, which is kind of the reason why I need Peloton. Man, you and I need to see. If I you get gorge, sick when I gorge with meat. It makes me. It's like Yes, this, because it fills you up naturally. It fills you up the way it's no, supposed I to. You I know. Full. I want to be filled up the artificial way. <laughs> we're we're going to get you gorging correctly. If you got to gorge, gorge the right way. Yeah, that's true. I can't wait. All right, Ari, I want picks. I want a full report from this workout. Oh, okay. I'll People send People need to know. Yeah, I'll, I'll take a video of him. Maybe. I'm just meeting him for the first time. I've got to play it cool because he seems like a cool dude. 
But uh, when we get together on Sunday, I'll give you a full report. Okay, Nishan, I gotta I gotta answer this question though before we go. Andy, what's your buffet strategy for a fancy place? It's all oysters and lobster, no carbs. Since they're oh oh god yeah, if there's seafood, good oh, seafood yeah. on the buffet, just wipe wipe it clean, wipe it all into my plate. I'll take you it. Ever off. have you ever been to the Bellagio Lobster Buffet in Vegas? I have not. Uh, yeah, if you go to that and you eat a roll, you're an idiot. Like if they've got like, but it's like 125 bucks a person. Yeah, which I is mean, not like that expensive. If a you Brazilian steakhouse, I love those little those little rolls they make, but I'm not I'm not wasting my time on them. I'm not wasting my time on that salad bar. Would you rather have the perfect roll or the perfect steak? Perfect steak. Yeah. Every time. Yeah. I like steak. I don't know. That's and the perfect steak me. is a tomahawk ribeye. Yeah. Between so the Alabama, has, are, they, they, they're just doing it at lunch. Just for lunch. Here's a tomahawk ribeye. Yeah. You know what I haven't had in a long time, but now sounds really good, and I definitely can't eat it, is chicken fried steak. Chicken fried steak. I is haven't amazing. had a good chicken fried steak in a, in a long time. I don't even know Little where you go to gravy. get one. Where do you go to get one? Golden Corral, and that's it. <laughs> no, there used to be a place in in Gainesville called Grandy's, which was a chain that was all over the South. And on Wednesday nights when I was in college, it was it was tri- chicken fried steak night, and you could get a chicken fried steak dinner. So chicken fried steak and gravy with two sides for three ninety nine. <sighs> it was the greatest deal ever. What? It was amazing. And is it out of business now? Oh, considerably. Yeah, Buildings somebody, yeah, somebody had a really bad business plan there. But I'm just saying, like, I'm in Texas. I think that's a place that you can get a good country fried steak. Oh, like, I don't sure even know are. where I would. I wouldn't even know if I walked out my door and someone's like, you got to get a country fried steak in the next hour. I would just drive to. to yeah, uh, Nick Terry suggests Waffle House, which that's that you can get one there. Did they have that there? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Well. When we do our little tour through the SEC, maybe everyone's we'll, always we'll, talking about Cracker Barrel. What's the real chicken fried steak place? I want. I don't want the chain restaurant version. I want the best version I can get. Like there was a like place Mom called Pink Magnolia in Dallas that, that did a chicken fried ribeye, but I believe that place went out of business. But I ate there once yeah. and it was delicious. Best uh, chicken fried steak in Dallas, Bubba's uh, Cooks Country. That sounds good. There you go. There you go. You got to go to that place. There's a there's a mini chain in the in the Metroplex, uh, Babe's Chicken Dinner House. Mm-hmm. It's it's just family style. Oh, fried that's on chicken. here. That's on this list. Yeah, family style fried chicken. Oh, that's right. Because you can get fire, fried chicken or chicken fried steak, and then they they also have uh, mashed potatoes and gravy. Yeah. and rolls and and other. There's sides. actually quite a bit of places like ten minutes from my house that have. We need to go to Babe. Can you if you do a country fried steak, do you just out, you just lose lose it for the day? Is it over after that one meal? If you if you smother it in gravy and eat a bunch of rolls with it and a bunch of mashed potatoes, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm going to leave you with a take before we go. These poor people, I'm so sorry. I like gravy. It's fine. I usually get my stuff without it. I don't put it on my mashed potatoes and I don't put it on things. <clears throat> like if there's a gravy boat at a Thanksgiving feast, I don't I don't I just, I've always passed on it for some reason. Probably better for your waistline. Yeah. Like you're not, not like better you for your taste buds though. That's why I'm kicking you off the show. Ari's off the show. <laughs> I hope this Mark Stoops, John Calipari thing just keeps going. I, I, I really want it to still be a thing when we do our next show on Monday, but it's been a pleasure. We've got a big week coming up for you next week. Fred Siegel, Mr. Freezing Cold takes himself. He's got a new book out. We're going to talk to him about some of, some some of my Inari's takes that were not so great. And uh, even, even our guy, Stuart Mandel, who made the book. He'll be on next week. 
Ari and I will be together. We're getting that much closer to football season. I can taste it. Talk to you soon.